Welcome to the Everyday Peacemaking Podcast. I'm Oshita Moore. And I'm Jer Swigert. Join us as we grow our imaginations for joining God and others in mending divides. Fear runs deep, spreading like a virus. Hate is cheap. From afar it costs you nothing. Sister, take my hand. Brother, we will stand. Open up. All right, friends, we're here, and we are so excited to be launching uh, what's really a new format of the Everyday Peacemaking podcast. Um, Every week, we're going to be jumping into really practical, really relevant topics that are impacting all of us as everyday peacemakers. And so these conversations are going to be visceral and raw and real, and they're meant to challenge and encourage and inspire, but also to equip us to become the kinds of people who can join God and others in mending divides wherever we find ourselves. And so today, Oshita, you're going to kick us off. You're coming in hot and you're coming in hot with something that feels really relevant to you and to all of us. And so what are you bringing to the table here? Yeah. So I am so excited about this new format that we have where you and I get to come and share how we are moving through our lives as everyday peacemakers and just how the natural stuff of life comes up and how we are responding to it. I am really sitting in a space like a big old funk entering into autumn, which is my absolute favorite season. But I'm feeling just frustrated and disappointed because I, at the end of this, towards the end of the school year last year, all of my favorite people who I have been learning from and who have felt like mentors to me in the faith and in ministry we're all talking about these sabbaticals that they were taking, you know, like mm-hmm. whether they got like a Lily grant or their church deciding to give them several months off or they on their own said, I'm going to take some time off. And I, I just noticed that there's a deep jealousy in me. And one mm-hmm. of my peacemaking practices is to listen to my jealousy. And what is that telling me about myself, my life? So that it doesn't turn into bitterness or resentment, it becomes an, a learning opportunity about myself. Yeah. So I was sitting with my jealousy around why does everybody that I love who are doing good work, and I think we're doing similar work, like I feel like I'm doing good work as a pastor, as an everyday peacemaker, as a writer, as an anti-racist peacemaker, like I'm doing all this good work. They're all taking sabbaticals and I'm not entering mm-hmm. into a season of sabbatical. And so I started putting feelers out with all of the people in my life who mattered, those that I was working with my family, a couple of mentors that I was planning on taking some time off. I needed to take some time off of something. So my life was set up in order for me to be able to take, at least I thought, take some time off. And I really wanted that time off to give me buffers, like room in my brain where I wasn't thinking about another project or another thing. And I also wanted it to be a space where I could do some creative things around spiritual direction and all that. And something rushed in, like... Shortly after I metaphorically signed off, something else in my life rushed in. It was incredibly important and I did not get a rest. I did not get a chance to just do some real good reflection. So I'm sitting with this funk now and literally just yesterday, it's like the nail in the coffin for me. I had to cancel four days at an Airbnb in upstate New York that I had booked and I was so excited to go to, but then another work thing that I can't get out of. It's mm. happening <laughs> right smack in the middle of that. And so I am just sitting in this space yeah. of needing, still needing that rest, mad at myself because I didn't take the rest. 
I feel like I've lost credibility with those in my life when I come back and say, hey, I need rest because now they're like, weren't you supposed to take rest? And I just Mm -hmm. feel like this is a common thing where we have these really good peacemaking desires. For me, it's like peace within myself, with my God, with my coworkers, with the work that like, it was this beautiful, like I had this picture of resting and being able to enter into a place of wholeness around it. But, you know, my plans did not work out. You use the word hijack. And in some ways I feel like that, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I remember even just processing this with you a couple of days ago and you said, you know, I, I had all these great intentions for rest and renewal and even discernment because adding to this, you had just completed a process, a spiritual direction process, which I think is relevant for so many of us. We have these huge projects or undertakings and we have these intentions to actually mark the completion of those moments with a time of rest and celebration and renewal and discernment. And the way that you put it is that I made some space for that and something more urgent crept right in and took up all that space. And, yeah. uh, and so I'm hearing this and I'm, I, I can relate to this. I know that so many who are listening in can relate to this. We have these intentions to take good care of ourselves, or in this case, we have really good intentions to rest, to take a leisurely step back and enjoy maybe the completeness of a season or acknowledge the urgency of a season past or whatever it is. We want that leisurely step back. But then the tyranny of the urgent overtakes us and we never get what we actually need. I'm curious, a a couple of things as I'm even listening to you, I want to talk about like to have intention around rest requires infrastructure and some strategy. And I'm Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to how you feel like you set that up. Like, was there a void of that? Was it there? It all got compromised or would you do it differently now? You know, but before we get there, you brought up a concept I've never heard before. And that is listening to your jealousy. Yeah. (laughs) I want to play with that for a little bit and then let's get to the infrastructure of rest. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Only because all I ever have a memory of in growing up is jealousy is a bad thing. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous. Do away with jealousy. Yeah. And in the way that you just offer that up, you invite us to actually embrace jealousy, not give into jealousy, but to embrace it as an unfamiliar friend, maybe Mm -hmm. an uncomfortable friend to learn from it. Can you say a little bit more about that and how it is that you do that? Because that (laughs) led you to, that led you to a really important outcome. That being, I have to declare my intention to get some rest. Yeah. But your embrace of an unfamiliar, uncomfortable friend led to the right intention. And then let's have a conversation about how you make the intention. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So have you ever heard about anger? That anger is actually masking hurt or pain. Oftentimes anger is the emotion that's presented because you feel the need to protect yourself because underneath that there's some pain, mm-hmm. there's hurt. Okay. So whenever I'm, in my, if you want to call it deconstructing, reconstructing process of kind of coming away from like, don't be jealous or whenever I'm presented with a feeling that for the longest, my faith tradition has told me to just pray away or ignore, push aside. I've learned to ask myself, that feeling feels really gross. Mm. What's the thing below that? So if anger is the presenting emotional least for me, that shows up when I'm trying to protect some vulnerability, trying to protect some harm then what is the thing below jealousy? That jealousy is a presenting emotion, but there's something else underneath that. And almost always it is a discontent Mm. or it's a desire 
for something that I want or something that I see or something that I feel like should be a part of my life. And when I'm able to, I like the way you said it, befriend it. I wrote, I I once for like a writing class, they gave us a prompt to like personify an emotion. And I imagine emotion as Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit in like this green slinky dress. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, good. (laughs) Like sitting across from me. having a conversation with me and that was just always been helpful for me and so when my jealousy comes up I now know what jealousy feels like for me Mm. and I also know that if I don't do anything with jealousy I begin to dehumanize the person who has the thing I want they become my enemy I start looking for all the things I hate about them at a very personal level as a peacemaker I lose the capacity for honoring the image of God and others if I don't deal with my jealousy And then Mm. if I push it away, I'll try to fill that void or that discontent with something else that's not the thing my heart really wants. But if I ask the question, what is it that person has that I want? Then I can be honest and say, I want to be able to rest. And and I can be happy that they have rest, but still want it for myself. Mm -hmm. So it's just this deeply relational protective thing that I try to do when it comes to negative emotions, especially Mm -hmm. around jealousy. Yeah. That is brilliant. And I I hope we actually revisit these kinds of themes in future episodes, because I think there are so many, so many emotions, thoughts, desires, and that that we've been told are taboo, wrong, bad, get rid of them, distance yourself from them, break agreement with them. Yeah. And in fact, it's really stunted our ability to be complete and whole, integrated peacemakers. You know, anger, I think being one of them. I remember not too long ago, we were in Birmingham together with with the Journey of Hope cohort, listening to Sarah Rudolph Collins, who was the fifth girl in the room when the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing happened in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. And listening to her talk about how important anger is in her journey. And anyway, that's maybe a teaser for a future conversation, maybe even with Sarah, but we repress these things and therefore miss the invitations. And in this case, I'm struck by the jealousy revealed a discontent around other people get to rest. I don't to a desire. Oh, I really need rest. And so help us understand as a peacemaker, how do you understand rest? What is it? And what isn't it for you? Okay, but if I could answer that question, like, what is it and how does it look for me? Don't you think I would have, like, did it right? Well, no, I heard, no, but I heard you say, though, that I, I heard you say, though, that, like, you used other qualifiers, like you said, I think you said discern, I think uh-huh. time, for, time, to, time yeah. to be creative, yeah. I mean, you know, so I do wonder if you do have a bit of an ideal of what rest is. And what it is that you wanted, the how to get it sounds like got hijacked. Right. Okay. Yes. I, yeah, I'm just giving you a hard time, but I really do feel like a part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation was I honestly wanted to process out loud. Did I set myself up with unfair expectations Mm. for me, Sabbath and rest are intentional spaces that you carve out so that you can separate yourself from hustle and your identity connected to the things you do and the way you show up in the world and that Sabbath, or let's just continue to use the word rest, you know, Mm -hmm. rest for me looks like putting down overthinking about other things so that I can turn my brain and my heart towards how God is showing up in my life and how how I'm feeling body, mind, and soul. I can be a high octane kind of person. I can jump in and 
turn my brain and everything on and get the project done, get the thing done. So I think rest is an intentional practice of saying, I don't need that and you don't need me. Like I'm going to separate myself from that. Mm -hmm. And I also want to say that I don't think I was very compassionate with myself, realizing that I was putting one of my four jobs to the side, but like my other three were going. And it was something that came up in one of my other jobs that consumed all of my energy and attention. I want to be compassionate to myself in this saying that, of course, it's it's almost like if I'm going to have that kind of deep intentionality of where I can just really focus, I need to shut all four things down, even if it's just for a day or like how some of my friends did for three months. All of those things, I need to say, you don't need me and I don't need you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the essence of a sabbatical, whether it's for three months or it's a Sabbath one day, yeah. whatever we can uh, reasonably afford to get away requires not a saying no to one of four, but four of four. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. in order to actually find it. But can, can I, I want to just press a step further into another facet of your life as a mom. And, mm-hmm. and the reason I, I'm curious about this is I'm married to the mother of my children and I watch her as an everyday peacemaker, um, a, like a major practice of her peacemaking life is focused on the integration and the holistic health of her kids. But it also includes honestly levels of detail and nuance around mm-hmm. how their days happen that like she just literally carries these things in her being differently than I do. And and so I'm curious if you can give us a perspective as a peacemaker, but who's also a mom in pursuit of rest. Yeah. What do you, how do you do that as a mom? And or like, give us some insight into how moms can rest. It, you know, what kind of support do you need, say, from TC in order for you to be able to actually disconnect from momming for 24 hours or whatever oh, it is that gosh. you need in yeah. order to come alive? Honestly, I think what you just said and having that as a part of the conversation before you book the day retreat, wherever you're going to go, or before you you like plan the day and shut your devices down, as you're having the conversation with your parenting partner to be able to say, I carry institutional knowledge about this family in a way that you don't. And I think it's great to be able to have the kind of relationship where you can say that and it be received well because your partner holds that and understands it. It means even more. So like the parenting partner who doesn't hold that institutional knowledge as readily for you to be able to just say what Jared just said means so much because then it opens up a conversation. This literally happened on a day that I was away. I went to go record some curriculum and I had baked into that trip just a day (laughs) like uh, some time by myself. And literally on that day, I got a text from one of my kids that says, I'm almost out of insulin. He's a type one diabetic. I'm almost out of this particular kind of insulin. Mm -hmm. And does dad know how to call in a prescription? And I called my husband and I was like, hi, you need to call in the prescription. And he's like, how do I do that? Like, what's the phone number? I was like, just, I will do it. And then I called and found out like all these problems with, switching over our insurance, cause that hiccup where my son didn't have. But I'm sitting like 3,000 miles away trying to figure out how to make sure my kid has a new insulin pin when this one runs out, which she was anticipating was going to happen before I come back. Hmm. I think just being able to have that kind of conversation 
and having the space to just kind of get into those feeds. So like, here is where the medications are and here's how to call the person by the medication. And this kid will only eat dino nuggets in the shape of a Sega store. They will not <laughs> eat dino nuggets, you know, like those kind of things. where I hear in you and I think we both share is there's intention to rest. Like if we're going to make it for the long haul as everyday peacemakers, right? we have got to find rest and we have to champion rest in one another or in those around us. And so when I hear your story, <laughs> I'm recognizing that intention is one thing, but if we're actually going to execute on it, we need to have some infrastructure around us. And so I'm wondering for you, Oshita, what's the infrastructure that you lacked? You had an intention and yes, the tyranny of urgent came in, but maybe there was some infrastructure or some support that you didn't have that you could fall back on, which is why you then fell victim to the tyranny of urgent. I wonder how you would reflect on that. And if you were to do it again, oh. what is the infrastructure that you would need? And then I, I'd love to give that some thought too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're such a systems person. I am too. But my spiritual director is always on my case because she's like, the Lord is gracious and compassionate and the Lord is at work in you and you are compassionate to yourself. That's where my spiritual director <laughs> brings me back to. Mm -hmm. so as I've been reflecting on this, I'm, I want to access that compassion because I do think that I did all that I knew to do from mm -hmm. everybody that I asked. Mm -hmm. I was clear about the space that I needed. I was clear about what I wanted to do. I was clear about why I wanted to do it. I was even clear insofar as like giving myself joyful work to do that was around like setting up my, for my spiritual direction and all that. I feel like I did it right, at least in the leading up to it. And then something happened that was out of my control. And the thing that happened was a work thing, but I'm sitting here in this compassionate space saying, okay, but what if it was some sort of diagnosis? Mm -hmm. What if it was something else? What if I ended up ha getting long COVID? Like things that are fully out of my control. Because I think because it was a work thing, I can sit here in a place of like deep judgment of myself because I let quote unquote, let work get in. And I think there is a part of that. If I were to have any criticism of myself, it's that institutional knowledge holder piece of me that I don't know that my family knows how to fully function without checking in and saying, hey, mom, where's the spatula? And that is not a me thing. I think that is a them thing. I think I have to be able to not take that call and let them fail. Yeah. If there was one thing I could change, it was to be brutally honest with my family that like mom is in California. You're going to have to figure it out. But I love my family and I didn't want them to figure it out on their own. And I think as an Enneagram too, the hardest thing for me in, in having rest is those that I feel responsible to having access to me. Because mm -hmm. the moment they can reach out to me, then I'm pulled right back in, maybe not physically, but emotionally. And I think that is the biggest Sabbath yeah. I need is that emotional tether to things. So, and your children are in the later stages of childhood adolescence, which is great, <laughs> you know, <It's> different. <laughs> they're a little bit more self-sufficient than say my kids are at the minute. What I'm hearing though, is you have to be able to disconnect from the emotional load or carry or lift. Mm -hmm. Not only it, it, for some of us listening in, it's our, our kids and our family for others. It's a community of people that we're 
pastoring or leading, or it's a group that we feel responsible for in some way, shape or form. Like we, we feel a level of responsibility for their flourishing. And we wonder if I'm out of the picture, will it somehow impede their progress or their health or their ability to thrive and flourish? And it seems like we as everyday peacemakers have to actually remember that we're not that big of a deal. Yes. <laughs> that people yes. will actually be okay. Because if we don't believe that, we will fundamentally never find the rest that we're looking for. You know what? You're so right about that because I think that for me, one of the biggest blessings of being a peacemaker is that I have a deep empathy and desire to see other people thrive. Mm -hmm. And so going back to your question, like, what would I have done differently? I think I would have had an honest conversation. I, I would have met with my spiritual director sooner. I would have loved to have planned even the first day of that to sit with my director and allow her to walk me through some of these untethering spiritual mm -hmm. practices of separating our identity and worth from that stuff, putting those things in God's hands, just trusting that all will be well, all shall be well, all manner of things will be well, like Julian mm. of Norwich. But I didn't do that. And so like the systems, they were top tier. I had it figured out. The emotional tether, that was as strong as ever. And that is where I was not able to Sabbath. Mm. But I will say, and I will say this is like one good thing that happened in my time off. I don't want to be like, I didn't do anything. But I did have some really interesting conversations about the stuff that I have in my home. And I got rid of a ton of things. I don't want to call it like Marie Kondo because it wasn't, but I started this ongoing conversation with my stuff, which sounds so woo, but like, do I want to be responsible for you anymore? No, I don't. I'm going to send mm. you back in the world. And I feel like even that was a practice of Sabbath. So while I did not get the quote unquote, like what everybody calls a Sabbath, where I could turn my brain off and connect with God and dream about other things, I did reorient my relationship to some things that were getting in the way of mm. me having a, an ease in my everyday life. Yeah, that's huge. I was going to turn this final corner with us here uh, because the fact of the matter is there are times when we have intention to rest. We might even have the necessary infrastructure around us and, and we may have had some accompaniment to help us untether from productivity and some of the emotional demands and all these things. And the fact of the matter is sometimes life happens. And I know that many of us who are listening yeah. in, we are reconcilers. We're peacemakers. We want to join God in mending divides wherever we live, work, and play. And we know that in order to do this for the long haul, we need to find rest, not in a one-off, like we'll do this annually, but in a consistent rhythm and there are moments when it just simply gets hijacked. It's beyond our control. And so, Oshita, here you are. You had this season set aside. It got hijacked. It didn't happen. It's probably not likely that you're going to have the luxury of maybe another good chunk of time. And so here you are now moving into a new school year, which tends to feel like a fresh season for many yeah. of us in the country, not as rested as you want to be. What kind of strategy do you have right now? What do you do about that? You know, um, what do you do now that you're entering into the space and you might not have found the rest that you're looking for? Well, I guess in the same way that I befriended my jealousy, I have to befriend this disappointment and say, I'm human and life is messy and it didn't work out the way I wanted to. This conversation has been helpful. Our ongoing conversations since I've come back have been helpful. 
And I think that's just the first thing. When it doesn't go the way we expected, to just embrace that disappointment and, and allow that grief, a good portion of this conversation has been me processing that grief. So I think it's important to do that with somebody in your journal, you know, get it out. Because after I've been able to do that, now I can access some compassion and be a little bit more, bit more clear-eyed. So I romanticized Sabbath. I romanticized mm-hmm. rest as this beautiful honeymoon from my life. And that's not what Sabbath should be. Sabbath should be a part of our regular rhythm. And so now I'm motivated to look at my actual rhythm. So like I said, some of the things that are getting in the way of me having an ease because I have to wash four white long sleeve shirts when really I just need two so I can give away two of those four, you know, those kind of things that just cause extra brain space. I also like... I'm reading Sacred Self-Care. It's a 40-day devotional by Dr. Shanikra Walker-Barnes. And I'm going to read that in community. So I've started it, but I'm going to start it back over to read it in community. And I think some beautiful conversations are going to come out, some infrastructure of support, some vulnerability is going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. And then I just need to freaking figure out like how to get all my calendars in one place so (laughs) I don't feel frazzled every hour of the day. Yes. (laughs) You know, and I it, think that'll reduce some of my stress. That's it. Oh, for sure. No, I uh, listen. Th- this has been so insightful for me as well, in for so many reasons. One of which, I'm coming out of a season of such deep transition, and just know that I am fatigued at a s- molecular level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can tell because I'm a wildly optimistic human being with a ton of ambition and lots of energy. And I can tell that I'm fatigued at a deep level because I wake up in the morning with anxiety, which for Mm. me is a signal. That's a signal that I'm moving toward not quite an emergency level, but but maybe like maybe an emergency level of you need to actually pump the brakes here, you know? And so like listening to you process through this is really insightful to me. And I know for so many of our friends who are listening in, there's a couple of things that I'm really taking out of this conversation. And then I wonder if there's any invitations that you might offer yeah. to our everyday peacemakers. One of my mentors is notorious for saying, you're not a big deal, but Jesus is. And all of our work is rooted in the life and teachings of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. And we even see in Jesus the reality, the consistent reality that right when things were most demanding or you know, when PR was at its peak. Like he really could have leveraged some PR because of all the good things that were going on. Jesus consistently took a a step back and I think got reacquainted with his identity as the beloved. Um, And he got reacquainted with the whispers of the spirit who was always moving Jesus in a way to help him embrace his belovedness and then extend it and to live responsibly to that in a way to help awaken others to their belovedness. So there is this, even Jesus gets caught in these moments of hyper productivity and deep fatigue, but we see in him a model to come away. And and so my mentor's encouragement to come away, step away and remember that you're not a big deal. Jesus is, is helpful for me here. Secondly, I'm really uh, challenged by the notion of befriending some of the uncomfortable things like jealousy and disappointment. Yeah. I'm really grateful for your invitation to befriend. And for me, that that looks like probably a deep curiosity, maybe even an interrogation of jealousy or disappointment. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, a deeper wonder around the anxiety that I'm waking up with in the mornings right now. Get close rather than kind of push that away. I think that the third bit for me is to really identify what is it that brings me to life. And so like rest is a nebulous concept unless I really identify what actually does bring my soul, my body, my mind, my heart, my emotions rest. I actually have to become consciously competent of those things. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm going to have intentions around a, an elusive thing and and never really get there. Yeah. So where do I find rest? And I would challenge us all as we're listening in, what are the 10 minute moments that bring us rest? What are the 24 hour moments that bring us rest? You know, it's the things that we have to be able to actually integrate into our daily lives so that this doesn't become one off because that's not going to be sustainable. And then the last thing that I'm challenged with is to move from intention to realizing rest actually necessitates some infrastructure, Yeah, like, like a Google calendar. Like I need to schedule that if for no other reason for my own self to protect it, but anyone else who I need to protect that time from, I need to be off the grid in that 30 minutes or one hour or half day or whatever it is. I can't be booked by anybody in that time. I think that's yeah. important, but I also have to communicate that I have to invite support from people who will hold me accountable to getting the rest that I actually need. Why? Because the world actually doesn't need us to be perpetually exhausted. The world actually needs us to be alive, everyday peacemakers. We need to be anchored and centered, and we need to have the energy and the fuel to actually pay attention to what the Spirit is inviting us into so that we can respond effectively. So that's some of what I'm taking out of this conversation. I wonder if what some of the invitations you might offer. And the very first invitation that I have is that... I love Brueggemann's Sabbath as resistance. There's something important about doing that work of resistance together. I think this is why we are a peacemaking community, because we don't want to, nor can we, make the peace we want to see in the world on our own. We have to do it together. And that's the same for us, for our own personal peacemaking. It has to happen in community. We have to resist together. And so I wish that I had, I wish I had sacred self-care in my hands before I started I wish I had reread Sabbath as Resistance with my husband before I started. Like, I wish it was just top of mind and top of conversations about what is it that we're actually doing and what does it mean and allow space for the spirit for us to creatively discern what does Sabbath look like for Oshida when she still has three other jobs, but this one's resting for a season. Because I think that can work for any one of us. If you have four kids under four and you have a community, you have a partner, you have people around you that are sharing the same language around rest, and you're making space for the spirit to show you what rest could look like for you. You have those people who are going to protect their, that version of rest for you. And it could be, I want to do a coloring sheet once a week. I want to be able to be, sit alone outside with my pencils and a coloring sheet. I need to do that once a week. So can somebody give me an hour to be alone with that? You know, because rest looks different for all of us because we all have different socioeconomic backgrounds. We have different delights. We have different personalities. We have different engines. So it's great to have an idea by yourself. And I think that's where my mistake was. If I had an idea by myself. I created great plans for it by myself. And because I'm a compelling like vision caster for those in my life, I, I told them these are the plans. And they were mm -hmm. like, we will protect these plans <laughs> to some extent. But I actually think I probably could have let them in to help me figure out what was our collective responsibility for rest for me. And so I think that's an invitation for all of us. Find those people who will hold those conversations, 
for whom we can protect rest for them and they can protect rest for us. And then this other thing just came to mind and this is a prayer practice that I do for myself and that I sometimes do for directees. And it's this practice of letting go where I imagine something or some someone and I imagine myself like walking to a field with it, holding it in my hands and giving it to Jesus and watching Jesus take it from me. And then I love hot air balloons. So it's always, and Jesus like gets into a hot air balloon with it, holding it. He goes off. And I know like it's going off into the great expanse into an adventure with Jesus. And I don't, I'm still grounded. I'm still here on the ground. I'm okay. I kind of do this practice sometimes. And I think maybe I could have given some things to Jesus and let him take it off into the great expanse. And he holds on to it while I stay, you know, grounded. So that's my story of everyday peacemaking. Yeah. Thanks, dear, for like holding the space and processing it with me. I feel so much better and I have so much more vision for what to do next. So this was such a great conversation. Well, what a gift, you know, and that's, I think that's the beauty here is when we share each other's stories and hold it with each other, it's mutually beneficial. Like it's instructive, right? And yeah. it's instructive for me. It's helpful for you and for those who are listening in. So what a gift. Hey, this fall, there are two invitations we really want you to know about. First, join us on Monday, September 25th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern for a live conversation with our friend and co-conspirator, Dr. David Gushy, on his forthcoming book, Defending Democracy from Its Christian Enemies. We're gonna be exploring four questions. What is democracy and why is it worth defending? How is the fusion of Christianity and politics compromising democracy? How do we talk about this with our family, friends, and neighbors? And is there a hopeful alternative to the faith politics status quo? You can register for this free event at globalimmerse.org. You're not gonna wanna miss it. We are now accepting applications for the Journey of Hope 2024 cohort. Journey of Hope is our flagship cohort for Christian leaders who are searching for an honest integration of peace and justice, who are looking for tools to form conflict, competent teams, congregations, and organizations, and who are in need of companionship in their journey of transformation. If this sounds like something you need on your peacemaking journey, please apply. We'd love to hear from you. We are accepting applications now through October 31st. And finally, the Everyday Peacemaking Podcast is a production of Global Immersion and is made possible by our Embers community of monthly donors. Join Embers with a monthly gift of any amount. Sincere thanks to the Brilliance for use of their song, Turning Over Tables. Learn more about the work of Global Immersion, forming everyday peacemakers and reconciling leaders to mendivides at globalimmerse.org.